0: From DX, this is the Psych Health and Safety Podcast. With workplace mental health becoming a safety prerogative, this is the source of information on psychological injury prevention and health promotion.
1: Hi, and welcome to the Psych Health and Safety Podcast. My name is Jason Van Shee, and I'm one of the hosts of the show. The aim of the podcast is to rapidly increase the knowledge and application of psychological health and safety in workplaces worldwide. To help with this, we have regular guests from around the world who are leading the way in this important area. Before I introduce our guest and topic for today, however, allow me to introduce my co-host, Joelle Mitchell. How are you today, Joel?
0: I'm, I'm waking up.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> early start again today. An
0: early start, yep. I've, I've got my coffee here. It'll kick in soon. It'll be all good.
1: We're all hoping, including the listeners, that it kicks in soon, <laughs> 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 That was not a laugh uh, listeners <laughs> you should have seen the look that Joelle was giving me. All right, look, I, I won't put too much pressure on Joelle to start today as, as we wait for the caffeine to sit in. Uh, what we're going to do is introduce our amazing guest for today. She's a real leader in the field of psychological health and safety in Canada, and therefore also very much a world leader in the space. She was a key developer of the Canadian national standard for psychological health and safety in the workplace and the guarding minds at work framework. She's a regular columnist spokesperson as has even hosted her show, uh, a show previously on the Oprah Winfrey Network. In her spare time, she also is the CEO and founder of My Workplace Health. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Jody Samra.
2: Hello and good evening from beautiful sunny Vancouver, British Columbia.
1: Oh, so good to have you, Jody.
2: Oh, it's such a pleasure to be here and, and such a pleasure to talk about something that is so relevant to so many of us now more than ever.
1: Yeah, look, we're really thrilled to have you on, Jodie. We've had a couple of Canadians previously, and uh, I know that you very much have had a a large part to play in the the important work that's going on in Canada, and really world-leading work, Uh, even in Australia, where we think we're doing pretty good in this space. I think that Canada is still at that that extra level up, so.
2: Yeah, well, thank you. Well, we're pretty proud here in our our, uh, small little, yet vast country.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, it's going to be a great chat today, no doubt.
2: All right, Jody. um, To
0: get us started, can you tell us what you like to listen to at the moment in uh, in the podcast space?
2: (laughs) Well, what I was listening to this morning uh, was also was actually a tardigrade talks, which is our new podcast. So these days, uh, as you well know, uh, some of the, the time involved in setting up a podcast. Uh, so, so on my listening list this week, the only thing I've been able to make time for is listening to ours as their proof <laughs> before they come out. So Great Talks, uh, which is a podcast about enhancing personal and, and workplace resilience. Fantastic.
1: That's an important topic at the moment.
0: It is def- definitely. All right. Well, um, Can you tell us, so um, Jason's given us the cliff notes version of what sounds like a really fascinating career. Can you tell us all about that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I'm a clinical psychologist if we go way back. And interestingly enough, um, once upon a time, I was immersed in forensic world and I, I actually met forensic specialist um, by, by background, uh, learned very early in my career that federal and provincial corrections were not my um, most exciting environment to be in, um, but I was very interested always in um, kind of legal systems um, and understanding the way uh, things like civil forensic, Um, and disability systems work. And so that kind of stemmed my interest quite early in my career, I've been practicing almost 20 years now, um, but quite early on becoming very interested in occupational disability and things that contributed to people being off work for really extended periods of time. Um, And that kind of started um, my focus on understanding the psychosocial factors and contributors to our health. And of course we all know, I mean, my goodness, don't we know, especially at this moment in our history, how important work is for meaning and purpose and when we're in wonderful work environments i mean life is pretty awesome right and and when we are in hard challenging negative disrespectful work environments i mean my goodness we can barely make it through the day and, and so i became very interested in from a clinical standpoint of working around occupational disability did that for a number of years and then was recruited by at that point, a brand new faculty at a a university um, here in Vancouver, Um, it was a faculty of health sciences. And that was of note because it wasn't a typical psych department, it was made of interdisciplinary professions. And and at that point, I started to get very involved in um, both um, local um, kind of health authority and then provincial and national um, groups, um, focusing on understanding workplace mental health, which, you know, I'll date myself here, but going back to about 2006, nobody really talked about or really understood
1: so tell us a bit about what you're doing at the moment then
2: yeah well i took uh you know i kind of um, a number of things kind of evolved over the years um that uh drove me to open my own uh, business so i'm now in uh been kind of a sole independent uh, for over a decade. I left my research scientist job at SFU, kind of went into my own domain and I've got two companies um, now. So I've got a um, clinical counseling practice, Dr. Jody Samarin Associates. We've got a team of about 10 clinicians throughout the province of BC. Um, that deliver these days virtual treatment um, and then I launched um, a national consultancy on workplace mental health called My Workplace Health and, and through that company um, we provide support to organizations around um, all the broad things connected to psych health and safety so understanding their work environment risks um, developing a cohesive psychological health and safety strategy Uh, we do a lot of work with people leaders around teaching people the psychologically safe and emotionally intelligent skills that we know are so critical to good leadership Um, and then we do a whole host of work around enhancing resilience for all of us as as individuals
1: yeah so you're really working at both uh, the workplace level and the individual level by the sounds of it
2: Absolutely. It keeps me humble and, and keeps me good and informed.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's great to see. Um, Yeah, we, we very much operate from that shared responsibility model, right, for workplace mental health. Uh, it's not just an individual thing and about being resilient and mindful in really horrible conditions. It's also equally the employer's responsibility to create those healthy working conditions where people can thrive.
2: Yeah, you're absolutely right that that shared responsibility, right, is is and it's for everyone. Like every single one of us in any work environment. This isn't just a leadership thing or just an individual thing or just an organizational thing. We all have a responsibility to show up in ways where we engage in psychologically safe interactions, right? And and I often say we we don't have to um, you know, we don't have to even like but certainly love everybody that we work with, um, but we have to show up in particular ways where we're civil and kind and respectful and much like our families, right? We don't choose who's in that work environment. Um, uh, we don't choose our families, uh, so we got to find ways to navigate around inevitable challenges that come up. And human behavior is complex.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, not all of us get to choose who we work with. I, I did have to tell Joelle that she would be able to pick the people that she worked with in her team. So,
0: <laughs> it's it's
1: very important. They need to be able to get along with Joelle, and it can be hard sometimes.
0: I'm, I'm rough, man. I'm, <laughs> it's <a> hard sell. <laughs>
1: Um, all right, Jody. that's yeah, really, really interesting and we'll find out more about your work uh, and some of the things that you've, you've done over the course of this chat today. Uh, but I'm interested because in, in 2008, one of our previous guests, uh, Marianne Bateson, uh, the, the godmother of, of psych health and safety, right? uh, met with you and asked you the question, as a researcher, what strategies do you think would help employees effectively address issues relating to workplace mental health? Do you remember that conversation?
2: I sure as heck do, (laughs) and and, uh, we'll often laugh because uh, we're in different time zones and this one Friday night, there I am in my small little research scientist um, office um, at the university and it's Friday night um, and I'm getting this email coming in um, from this woman that um, had seen me speak at a conference, I knew the name, we hadn't yet met, no such thing as really uh, any focus on workplace mental health at that point. Um, And she reaches out to me and, and, before we knew it, here we are chatting each the back. We haven't actually even met or spoken to each other, um, and and we laugh now um, so many years later because she says, "What are you doing at work? It's 9 p.m." And I said, "I think it's midnight for you. What are you doing on a Friday night, right?" And there began our discussion and uh, a very long-term, uh, both friendship but but fantastic uh, collegial and uh, mentorship relationship. She's one of my strongest, most inspirational mentors and. Uh, you know back then it was like nobody was really talking about it and i said yeah we need something that um is just evidence-based and doesn't cost anything because organizations kind of want to start somewhere but no one knows where to go you go to good old dr google well have fun with that um and most business which is small business um doesn't have deep pockets and 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 said, so there's so much online that they just need to know they're going to something that has credibility and evidence base and so You know, there began, you know, a decade plus later, uh, of a scope of work and national-based work, which of course translated into our national standard, um, all around providing a structure for organizations um, and and the tangible outcome of that discussion. And Marianne, at that point, um, had just been put in charge of the workplace strategies for mental health, this commitment that was being given to workplace mental health. And that became one of our, you know, who knew then one-year project that has now continued um, for many, many years, and um, so we created a number of things. We created um, a process for employers to be able to assess for psychosocial risks within their work environment. An employee survey and a, and a kind of a review, kind of small A audit, is what I like to call it. Process um, that allows them to evaluate. We created a whole host of action-based resources and tools that they could use to evaluate. And and um, the, the mainstay of that project was coming up with the psychosocial frame of the kinds of things in our work environment um, that organizations have an obligation to pay attention to and and address that are tied to individual employee mental
1: health. Yeah, well, I I think everyone is for the better, I think, working in the psych health and safety space that the two of you did connect (laughs) that fateful
2: night, (laughs) did
1: launch some amazing work. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it sure has let us have a lot of fun, right? And as we know, the people we work with and work for are critical part to our emotional health. And when we can connect with like-minded people and share a passion, like these are really critical things to our work environments.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And the ability to, to do something meaningful as well as, uh, you know, a, a core um, pillar of that, um, that, that positive psychology um, field as well. So um, yeah, I think working in this, in this realm you definitely have that sense of of meaning and purpose through the work that you're doing which is a great thing too
2: yeah absolutely right I think meaning and pur- meaning and purpose is one of the most important keys to resilience right in mm. the term we will literally live longer um if we have a reason to get up and meaning and purpose through our day-to-day work
0: mm. so can you tell us about the guarding uh, minds at work framework
2: yeah, absolutely. So Guarding Minds at Work was the the kind of set of resources uh, that are all public domain. Anybody can go access them and use them uh, that were created and, and that provided Um, the psychosocial or work environment frame uh, for the things within an organization that contribute to psychological health and safety. And so um, it's a series of just practical resources that employers can go access. There's no, um, you know, no cost and there's no barrier that um, they can start somewhere and start to learn about psychosocial um, work environment, the things that we need to pay attention to in our work environment. And, And what we're very proud of is the frame developed in Guarding Minds at Work became the frame that was adopted by our national standard and so um, folks that go through and implement the guarding minds at work framework within their organization are adhering to the our national best practices that's fantastic um, how did you come up with the name well, Dr. Martin Shane, who is one of the um, researchers involved in guarding minds at work, he he gets all of the the credit for the name, and he's um, the the legal scholar. He likes to clarify, not a lawyer, because he did not practice as a lawyer, but the legal scholar, uh, a legal research scholar that um, has been very pivotal in this domain of work, and and he um, is really, you know, talk about Godmother. He's like the grandfather of of psychological safety, and and uh, very passionate about um, the harm that can get created when we're not um protecting our workers and out of that um he had he had the name of kind of guarding minds, so that we're protecting our minds and that ended up evolving into guarding minds at work that's a really nice story (laughs) (laughs) no it's um
0: I, i do like that that name and i guess the um the connotations around it and that you, yeah, we're, we are protecting people's minds and um, keeping them safe. Um, so how did you, how, did, how was the framework actually developed?
2: Oh, there was so much, I mean, research, 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 (laughs) scanning the data, right? And, you know, getting um, very clear on what the literature was telling us about the factors in our work environments that contributed to better psychological health. Um, We did a scan of best practices, and at that point, very limited, um, but the health and safety executive um, in the UK had been very progressive at that point. They had a management standard frame. Um, The American Psychological Association had a frame for um, psychologically healthy healthy and um, work environments as we kind of scanned what the literature was telling us, took a look at those Best practices, and in particular HSC and APA. Um, and then Dr. Martin Shane was, was our legal researcher um, and scholar that um, was very connected with what the case law at that time was telling us about the factors that organizations had to pay attention to. And we took all of that um, and then we combined and distilled it into what, you know, a, a couple of years of work that took us to get there, but distilled it into 13 different, um, unique, yet Um, Overlapping and not mutually exclusive factors and so um, so things like clear leadership and expectations, we know when we have um, clarity about what we're to do when our one up (laughs) that we report to provides clarity on What's expected of us? We thrive, right? If we know what to do and what we're supposed to do and when we're supposed to do it, we thrive. Um, and so, so you know, that's just one example of of um, a number of of uh, the different work environment factors that we pay attention to. So that got us down to thirteen, and and uh, created the frame.
0: And how did you settle on the on the thirteen? Was there a bit of um... you know.
2: Yeah, good question. Well, it was a very methodological approach that we took, right? Was that uh, we've found ways of coding and seeing what things had commonalities and we were trying to put things together, you know, kind of doing a little bit of a factor analysis. And I say little bit in that it wasn't at that point, there's very little research that actually looked on work environment factors. So we had to be very creative. And and there was an element too, because this is for organizations and it's not a research study kind of off on its own, that it also had to be very practical and it had to make sense to people. And so when we think of the concert of Clear leadership and expectations. All of us, without knowing what that is, um, will know what that means, right? If we say oh, um, workload demands, right, all of us will know what that means. And so there was also a very heavy eye on making sure that this had high face validity and was making sense. So we went through lots of consultation. Um, you know great people at a national level, at Safna, who you've had on on your show from the Mental Health Commission of Canada. Uh, Marianne, of course, was was pivotal um, in um, leading this work Um, there. uh, We consulted with employers, large employers, small employers, human resources, health and safety, union. Um, We had focus groups with employees and workers that were dealing with issues. So we took a very comprehensive um, methodological approach to making sure that we were understanding perspectives
0: and concerns and the kinds of things again and again that came up um fantastic that's a a phenomenal effort um by the sounds of it and um the just the sheer volume of um of different people and groups that that you're involved in that process is um yeah it's a little bit mind-blowing really to think about it
2: yeah, it was definitely a passion of love and, and uh, you know, lots of hands involved in, you know, when we jumped to the CSA standard and just, you know, I think the timing was also right at that point, people were starting to have a vocabulary and speak a little bit more about mental health and and I think there was a real intuitive awareness for people that these things matter, like, and, and I think the general sentiment at that time was you know, I know that this mental health thing means something, but I don't know where to start, right? And that would be the average. I don't even know. What like? What do I do? What does that mean? Does that mean I get a benefits program? And we say, well, sure, that's one factor. We have psychological support is one of 13 factors. So, absolutely get. It benefits and give support to those that are struggling, but we know um, our frame and what's very unique um, and has been so, um, you know, I'd say, well, groundbreaking. I mean, this is the first standard of its kind in the world. Um, uh, and it provided a frame that was really different. It wasn't just, oh, we focus on the individual that has depression or anxiety or another mental health issue. It was what are the factors within the broader work environment that Maybe nobody in the work environment has depression or anxiety right now, but we know best practice, legal research is connected to individual employee health. And that's been a big shift um, for you know organizations to kind of think that way and understand that.
0: Yeah, we've found similar things um, here in Australia. and you know when we when we use the words um, psychological hazard, we sort of almost see the light bulb appear. Um, above some people's heads because they that you know they sort of think about mental health as being this um, you know very clinical psychology focused individual level um, issues that really you know as a business where you just don't know how to deal with but when you start using language of hazard identification suddenly things start to, to make a bit more sense for them.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's like the health and safety language, right? The health and safety folks get it <laughs> and they and they get it very well because they've already got that language and, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I can look out my window and see the construction site and, and uh, you know, those words make sense. So the, the, you know, kind of risks that we see physically, you know, if you're not wearing a hard hat and we use a guarding minds <laughs> metaphor, right? That there's safety protocols for a reason. Um, there's reasons that we, teach people how to do their job and that that's very tied to you know physical injury but very similarly we know i mean probably most all of us can can draw on some past workplace right even if it goes way back to our teen years for awful where we had a leader that was you know you know, maybe not a full bully in the true definition of the word, but in civil or disrespectful or harmful and, or people that didn't really care and communicate in emotionally intelligent ways, right? We all know, and we all know when we're dealing with our own personal issues, which every single one of us will deal with multiple, multiple times, the difference between the person that can take the time to just check in and so say, Joelle, you're not yourself today. I just wanna check in. Anything I can do to help you um, Joel, I see you haven't had your coffee yet. Any no, <laughs> so like when we can do that. That's,
1: we, that's a that's a hazard that's a, yeah, that's
2: a, that's a hazard. Oh, Everybody's
0: like, woman, just drink the thing.
2: <laughs> yeah, but then versus if you're dealing with something, and you know, if I'm on you, you didn't do this right, or I don't see this, it, and I haven't even paused. Well, okay, that that's a hazard. That's a hazard that's going to be more likely to increase um, the likelihood of you having a bad health outcome. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I think it's a, a really good um, uh, amount of information that you shared there, Jody, around the development. I mean, it's what over 10 years on now since the development of that framework uh, was, was started on. And I think it's very easy to forget how much work actually went into the development of that and the consultation piece that, that happened um, all those years ago.
2: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thirteen years—it's hard to build. Lucky thirteen. I think 13's lucky, actually. So 30, lucky thirteen, and and uh, and uh, yeah, it's amazing. And, and our standard came out—the uh, CSA standard—in two thousand and thirteen, which is eight years ago. And that sounds like a long time ago, but I say it's like in all Health and Safety terms, it's we're still in the nineteen twenties. Like we are so early uh, that eight years in the lifespan of standards and best practices, it's, it's still a little toddler, like it is just getting to learn how to walk. And so we're such early stages um, of bed because, of course, it's a voluntary standard. And so it's, uh, it, it's you know establishes a best practice, but it takes a, a while for that to get embedded into companies and organizations and culture.
1: Yeah, and we're definitely seeing some drivers this year as we were talking about offline before um, with more and more companies looking to adopt more of a health and safety approach to psych hazards. Um, but speaking of, of the CSA uh, technical committee for the development of the national standard, um, you're obviously one of the key and and early members. Um, with uh, When we are talking with Peter Kelly from the HSC um, about the development of the HSC management standards, um, he gave us a really interesting anecdote that apparently... The first draft was actually uh, written in a pub on the back of three beer coasters. Now, thinking back <laughs> to the early discussions you were having around the national standard, can you have any, do you have any uh, memories of, of the, the things that you were talking about with the other founding members uh, of that CSA committee about what needed to be in the draft and what things needed to be covered?
2: Yeah, great question. So you're getting me to go down memory lane. And that's a great story. Oh. Of, of the, the, so I was not in a pub, first of all, I was in a windowless university office. Oh, that's, this, that's this magic <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not not quite as exciting. Um, you know, I'd say, you know, one of the biggest discussions actually that we had is, is um, so the so our, our standard is called the um, psychological health is National Center of Canada for psychological health and safety in the workplace and in very early days, I, and I know it's a mouthful, psychological is a mouthful, and I know a lot of people have a hard time spelling, like it's, it's a mouthful and it's a complicated word. Um, but it was something that I was so, felt so strongly about for so long, and I think one of the biggest areas that we had some pushback early days from stakeholders was saying um, it should be mental health or mental illness or the the words should be around mental and and I was like I'm digging my heels in the sand about this one because what we do when we think about you know our mental disorder or mental health issue or mental illness is we think in black and white terms so usually our brain says ah I'm either in that category or I'm out of that category Curry. And, and um, it, there, unfortunately, continues to still be a lot of stigma. I think it's going down, uh, for sure, has gone down in the last 20 years that I've observed, but there's a lot of stigma. And so a lot of people won't put up their hand to, you know, say, oh, I don't know, run, sign up for that mental health issue uh, workshop, right? It isn't as as intuitive. And from a research standpoint, of course, you both know this well, is our psychological health is on a continuum. and and so you know on that continuum we all have a state of psychological health every day the same way we all have a state of physical health every day um and so the term was really important um to me because it um really is more inclusive and, and it's more accurate in describing our impact and i believe that it. it um, adds less barriers to people understanding. It resonates in a different way, right? And and so that was probably one of the biggest. I remember early days, and there'd be discussions back in, but This was at the guarding minds at work level, and and uh, some of these went to the standard committee. And in the end, I um, mean, psychological health one, which I was very excited about, but it was a very interesting dialogue back then. <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, we're definitely seeing it these days. Um, mental health still has a stigma attached to it and very much people see it as a synonym for mental illness. So I'm really glad you stuck your heels in back then and and really um, you know, went into that for psychological health and safety. I mean, that's where our um, podcast gets its name from. Uh, although psychological, like you say, is a mouthful, so that's why we abbreviated it to the Psych, Health and Safety podcast. So. <laughs> Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but uh, I think it's a really important distinction to, to make. So I'm really glad that you, uh, you did that with the, the standard.
2: Mm.
0: So um, while you were developing the standard, what sort of feedback did you get from industry?
2: Hmm. So the the CSA level, without boring you with too many of the details about how a technical committee operates, it's a very long process, very tedious process. Um, and there's this national review that's put out, and there's a there's a methodology and approach for ensuring there's you know kind of every key stakeholder voice is heard. Um, you know, I would say in in a positive way, probably the most consistent message. Like this was a big deal for us for for CSA. Because it was the first time anything in the mental health world had been taken on as a standard at the CSA level. So that in and of itself was a pretty big deal. I'd say there were probably mostly like lots of behind the scenes happy dances of like, oh, wow, let's see where this goes and people are, it's going to resonate. And I would say the thing that probably strikes me most is how much it resonated for so many. And so being this area that was new and kind of, you know, felt a little I don't know, almost scandalous, right, like mental health and uh, people going to talk about like the stigma then, right, 10, well, 13, 14, 15 years ago was far greater than it is now. So it was just kind of taboo topic and, um, but I think what, what stood out is how much it resonated for everybody. And so I'd say, I wouldn't say there was pushback as much at all as there was like this real interest to say, oh yeah, this makes sense.
0: Did you um need to make many changes or adaptations um to the standard following that uh, industry consultation period?
2: Yeah, I mean it's mostly the the specifics, right, and the nuances of um, implementation and the approaches to take and wording and making sure again kind of inclusive and meeting all's needs. Um, initially in guarding minds at work, the one the one change actually that we had our initial frame was a twelve factor frame. Uh, This is actually kind of Fun and interesting how it got to be thirteen, and of course, you know I was doing my researcher happy dance when we distilled it down to twelve, and you know it just seemed like a so good number. No, I don't mean that just a good number, but we kind of like twelve, and we got to the CSA level, and we had an addition of the thirteenth, which is how it became thirteen. Because we're often asked, why is it thirteen and not twelve or fourteen? Because of the beliefs people have about 13, I guess, right? Um, And uh, it was physical safety was added. And so our 13th factor is physical safety. And the initial frame um, didn't have physical safety as part of it. But of course, if we're not in a physically safe work environment, that affects our mental health. And so that was the 13th one. And that was the most substantive change that we had. Um, And and other than that, the the frame and the model was remained intact, which, uh, yeah, I felt very proud of.
0: Mm, well, that's definitely an important inclusion um, to have in the framework—the the physical safety element—and um, yeah, probably not one that people would typically think about when they're thinking about psychological health. But yeah, you're absolutely right. If you're if you're in an unsafe environment, um, of course, your your mental health is going to be adversely impacted.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think it'd probably be hard for a bunch of white-collar academics to um, see through the eyes, I guess, of the construction worker where something can fall on them and kill them um, if if they don't have the right controls in place. Um, so that consultation piece and and talking to employees who are actually experiencing this every day was obviously very important to identify that one. Um, so what are some of the success stories of the standard then, Jodie?
2: Ah. Um, well, you know, it's it's getting a lot more leverage, and what we've started to see, um, you know particularly the last few years. And I will say particularly now the past year is um, people are understanding mental health matters. And, and I'd say the biggest success is that it's gotten such traction that, you know, the, the, well, I guess the most concrete one is ISO now um, has of course an international standard that's coming out and, and we're very proud of the CSA level 10 a your committee that was working with ISO and our, our standard, um, you know, being the first of its kind in the world um, has really had an impact at a more global level. So wonderful to see! For example, you know, so many organizations in Australia kind of adopting ours and and using Guardian lines at work. And the leverage that's gotten internationally was I, you know, I would say if I look back now, um, you know, just honestly, by surprising, I probably wouldn't have guessed that was going to happen way back when. You know, it was the first iteration was launched in 2008, um, but pretty cool and pretty awesome actually that that uh it's had that impact
1: yeah it's one thing to uh, have impact at a national level but another at a global level that's for sure um so, but what about within canada um what are some of the success stories of you know companies who have adopted the standard
2: yeah i mean organizations i'd say one of the most important things it does is it gives them a consolidated frame. It helps them know what to do. And and often, um, you know, the, we hear again and again organizations, they'll say, okay, we, you know, we kind of weren't doing a decent job or felt like we were paying attention to this or that. Um, but when the inevitable difficult situations arise in the workplace, like the easy situations are easy, they don't affect us that much, but it's the difficult ones that, um, you know, organizations that are saying, oh, the uptake um, is even stronger. We now get it. It gives us a frame. It helps helps us be able to do things in a way that, um, feels easier we have some predictability and control over or over approaches um the, the, it's adding this concrete frame or tangible frame i should say to something that someone feel like feels like this nebulous construct right We oh, the psychological health mean and how do we do something about it and and when people know what to do they get that confidence and i would say i've never seen a situation where that hasn't ultimately benefited everybody the organization and the employees and and so you know we've had lots of early adopters that you know have been you know starting to really get immersed in the standard i say collectively we still have a lot um a lot of awareness to do it isn't something that all organizations understand um i do think that organizations are more and more realizing like this actually really really matters to the success of our company
1: yeah, great. And we hear it's the, uh, the most downloaded standard from CSA.
2: It is, yes. Uh, which is, again, really interesting, <laughs> right? And,
0: yeah.
1: and speaks to it, yeah. Yeah, no, amazing work.
0: Um, so you mentioned um, ISO 45003. Um, can you tell us a bit about how uh, the Canadian national standard influenced the development of the ISO standard?
2: yeah well i i feel like i can't speak in huge depth to that because uh we had a dedicated mirror committee of csa members um that was a specific group that was working but it was really consulting consulting on our process consulting on the successes the challenges that we had and of course by the time it gets to the iso level it becomes international and much broader so many many other stakeholders but you know i i think it's safe to say like we were really kind of the the first pioneers that had a standard that we could speak to and say, Okay, here's some things that we, you know, we're learning as we go. And here's been the process and here's what we're hearing. And, and so that piece has has um, had it, uh, I believe, a, a significant impact.
0: Wonderful.
1: Um, so JD, it's, you know, you've obviously been at the forefront, uh, being in Canada at the right time, you know, really contributing with the founding, uh, people behind, I guess, a standards approach or a framework around psychological health and safety at work. It's amazing the work that you've done, um, looking into the future, what would your hopes be for mental health in the workplace?
2: Oh, great question. Um, one is that, um, every organization, whether you are the two-person organization or the 2,000-person organization or larger, um, that they understand, that they understand that um, psychological health and safety in the workplace matters. Uh, It not just matters because it's the right thing to do. It not just matters because of the prevalence of mental health issues. Selfishly, it helps organizations increase their bottom line, right? And, And for organizations to get this matters, and it's within my domain of responsibility to make sure i'm creating a good environment psychologically as well as physically um you know and i would wish that if we look at you know larger organizations that have a dedicated structure that we have some person in each organization that's responsible for promoting and ensuring psychological health and safety within an organization so that each organization has a champion. Yeah,
1: no, absolutely. Um, it's yeah, really important. I think that companies bring this on. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up the uh, the bottom line thing, right? We've had a number of uh, reports done here in Australia looking at the return on investment that companies can get by investing in mental health at work initiatives. And it doesn't seem to have been enough in the past to have actually driven employers to change or invest more in, in workplace mental health initiatives. Um, but I think that that missing piece is that that framework, as you say, um, like that gives companies really clear guidance around what does a psychologically healthy and safe work environment look like, and, and I think it's very important that employers, first of all, seek to do no harm. So that whole guarding minds is is really important, uh, and then we can start to look at how do we make people, you know, happier and and healthier when they come to work.
2: Yeah, win-win and, and uh, and you know, that bottom line in lots of ways, um, retention. right? People are going to stay yeah. with you and be engaged. And, you know, as I often say, the discretionary effort that employees demonstrate when we're in good work environments, where we're respected and where we're cared for. When the crap that happens in our life comes up, when we have organizations that are equipped to be able to support us well, um, my goodness, we go that extra mile, don't we? Right. And we do it with pleasure and joy. And, and that is so win-win for so many reasons for everybody
1: involved. Yeah, no, I see some people who say, oh, but that's going to cost money and it's going to reduce productivity because you're, doing, you're spending time doing uh, these other processes and procedures around psych health and safety. Uh, but you're absolutely right. When you treat people right, then they put in that discretionary effort. They're more committed to the organization. And then your organization performs better. Um, so I don't I don't buy that argument by some that this is actually an additional burden or cost to a company. Um, looking after the people in your company is is important for being competitive and and being productive as an organisation. So um, yeah, no, nicely put.
0: All right, Jody. We've got lots of um, lots of listeners who are hopefully interested in working in this this field of psychological health and safety, and maybe some early career professionals and and some students. Um, thinking about career pathways. Um, Do you have any words of wisdom that you'd like to share with these people?
2: Oh, yes. Um, One is follow that poll, right? And I think so much, and I, more than other areas, um, again and again and again, the champions that we see, and when I say that, it's just a person that's really passionate and starts a dialogue within their organization and and you know it's it's time and again and again and again we see in organizations that it's one person that personally was really invested in something that started to talk about it that downloaded the standard that read up on it a little bit brought it to somebody at a staff meeting or a work environment talked to somebody else and like that is where it starts getting embedded within organizations um and in some ways what's you know what's really neat is like we don't have i mean sure we've got there's some certifications and and ones that i've been involved in developing that you know e-learning or otherwise it exists to help people get certified for sure um but um there isn't any set career path and and what i think is it opens the opportunity for so many whether you're in health and safety or human resources or psychology or like my goodness I mean, you need to be an accountant and have a passion for this and that it isn't sector specific either that that um, champions can be all kinds of people within an organization. So I think what's interesting developmentally, where the field is at is, you know, it's a pen, the wild open, um, you know, what, what's a good metaphor, a wild open, I don't know, scape of something. So, so it's like the field is open and wild and, and you can enter in lots of different ways. So there isn't one set path that you can do what you do for a living um, and um add on um more specialized training around psych health and safety and so it makes a really interesting field for that reason
0: and so important to have that that um so many different disciplines contributing to the field as well i think Um, that diversity of thought and background and experience really um creates a a stronger um overall picture
2: Absolutely. And it affects all of us, right? That's the thing, is is we may say, you know, as I look out my window, the the hard hat policies, you know, I may say, oh, this doesn't matter to me, like that's not relevant to what I do for a living. But there isn't a single one of us that would say the same thing for psychological health and safety. Mm. All
1: right. So um Jody, you um I did say in the introduction that in your spare time, which I don't think you have much of at all. Uh, You know, you, you do uh, have uh, your organization, my workplace health, Uh, where can people find out more about your work that you do there?
2: Yeah, well we are very social media connected and so we've got myworkplacehealth.com is our, our primary site. And we have another one that's Uh We have YouTube channels, Instagram, uh, you know, all the socials where we put out lots of information. So we place a real high value in our company on, on putting out public domain. Uh, so which means free um, and evidence uh, aligned resources. And so you can easily find us online
1: yeah and what was the name of your podcast again for those that are looking for something really great in the resilience area
2: yeah it is tardigrade talks
1: tardigrade talks and where did the name come from i I did some research but for our listeners
2: (laughs) well tardigrades it's fun factoid are the most resilient uh, micro animal that we have in our planet, and so it's a it's a podcast about resilience, uh, and our heart is to share inspiring uh, stories of personal and workplace resilience. And so tardigrades, this fun factoid, can live in outer space; they can live in. 200 degrees Celsius water they can freeze they shrivel up and they preserve everything and they are the most resilient organism that we are micro animal is what they're called and if you google them they're actually really kind of cute in an ugly way they're little water bears and so uh yeah they're pretty cool so that's the name for tardy tops
1: yeah i'll definitely have to give it a listen that's for sure um all right well thank you listeners for for tuning in today hopefully you got as much out of that conversation as what we did with dr jody um don't forget that we do pull out the best bits of these uh clips and put them onto linkedin on our flourishdx channel so uh feel free to check them out there if you want to watch the uh the chat rather than just listen to it over the podcast we also will put the whole thing up on our uh, flourishdx youtube channel uh, joel and i are active on linkedin so if you want to connect with us feel free to uh, send us a connection request or just follow us and uh, you'll be able to find uh, Dr. Jody on uh, the uh, on, on LinkedIn as well. So thanks again, listeners, and we'll catch you next episode.
0: You've been listening to the Psych Health and Safety Podcast. To stay up to date with the latest on psychological injury prevention, follow Flourish DX on LinkedIn and subscribe to the Psych Health and Safety Podcast at www.psychhealthandsafety.com.